Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is bonus episode number nine. Um, I haven't done a bonus episode in about two years, uh, like a year and a half really, but um, yeah, I just really wanted to get this one out there. Um, I have a awesome conversation with Michael from Heart of Gold. A lot of you probably know him as the guitarist from Being as an Ocean. Um, and this is his kind of side project. He's still, you know, full time, deeply involved in Being as an Ocean. Um, but this uh, Heart of Gold project is something that he's super passionate about and a very distinctly different um, sound sonically emotionally with the lyrics it's definitely a a venture in a different direction um but yeah we had a great time talking and you know he goes over kind of where the inspiration for this sound comes from what it's like to uh kind of change directions in a sense um you know he again is still super involved in being as notion so there's that outlet there but this is something totally different Um, And we talked a lot about, you know, different songs and what it's like to see different levels of success coming out of different things. Um, We got a cool little story about his song Midnight in Miami um, and kind of where that started, where the name came from, all that sort of stuff. It's just a super fun conversation. Um, and like I said, I really wanted to get this one out here for you guys because he has some cool shit happening and it's happening very, very soon. Um, as in today, the newest single, uh, from Heart of Gold is dropping. Uh, that track is called Leave Just Yet. Uh, It is streaming everywhere now as of this podcast episode going live, so be sure that you check it out. Uh, But first, or maybe second, maybe you've already heard the song and that's why you came here, but if you haven't heard the song yet, listen to the podcast episode first and then go over and check out the song. Um, Yeah, guys, let's just dive into this because it's such a fun conversation. Here's my conversation with Michael from Heart of Gold. Um, so yeah, basically to, uh, to kick off the actual episode, I do start off with the same boring ass question every time. And that's the simple introduction, man. Who are you? What do you do? And why are we having this conversation? Uh, awesome. Okay. I, uh, my name is Michael. I play, uh, play music and I, I have a couple different projects going on right now. I, uh, uh, most people would usually know from, uh, I play in a band called Being as an Ocean. It's like a hardcore melodic band from San Diego. Uh, and I recently, um, well, actually not recently, but I, uh, I've been running a, a second project. It's like a pop band for, called Heart of Gold for a couple of years now. And I am having the most fun time ever doing it. So yeah, I, I, I run Heart of Gold. I, I play multi-instrumentalist, I guess you could say. I, I write and record um, everything myself or with uh, my, my friend Phil. He's a, a producer, a songwriter, a friend from L.A. Um, so, yeah, pretty yeah. much it. <laughs> yeah, no, awesome. And and that's honestly how I knew of you is from being as an ocean. And, oh, you know, awesome. yeah, I, I've always been super heavy into, like, pop punk, the hardcore scene, that sort of stuff. Amazing. So, yeah, seeing your name pop up, I was like, hold on. I oh. know this dude. Like, oh, <laughs> let's yeah. Yeah. So, um, but no, like I remember the first time I heard heart of gold was on like a random release radar on Spotify, you know, how it does all those little suggestions and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is really dope. And then I started digging into it. And then, you know, again, I found out that it was you and I'm like, wait, time out, like talk about, and this is, this is kind of one of the questions I've got for you. Talk about the, the difference in styles, right? Like, being as an ocean compared to heart of gold, if you didn't tell people that they're related band wise, you know, yeah. with you being the, the parent, if you will, uh, like you would never guess. 
So yeah. like what drove this kind of mass divergence over into the pop realm? Oh, it, it's, it's really funny. So I, um, I grew up, I'm from, I'm from a small town just outside of Manchester in England. And, um, I grew up between, so my parents separated when I was very little and my dad was very into like his classic rock. So every weekend it would be Thin Lizzy, uh, Led Zeppelin, Queen, um, all this incredible stuff. And I was so drawn to just how amazing the vocals were. But then on the other hand, my, my mother would, she was big into her 90s pop and R&B. So uh, I don't know if, if, I don't know if they were a UK act or uh, they were a big act. It was a three piece called Eternal. And it was three uh, at, um, or four amazing female vocalists, incredible female vocalists. And uh, I was always drawn to how like the, the voice itself played an instrument and played a very, very key part in creating emotion. And, you know, you hear these chord progressions and you hear this stuff, which um, it, it, it like pulls on your heartstrings, but the voice doing something like that was just a whole other world to me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in love with just vocal driven pop music. And then obviously having pop and then rock, you start to see the, you know, the, where they clash like artists where it's got pop influences but rock vocals and the right. other way around like rock music with pop vocals and that is something i've always always since i can even barely remember um i was always drawn to that uh and then i had the incredible opportunity to join a hardcore band being as an ocean in about about 10 years ago now and I wanted to introduce, they'd never had, they had a couple songs of singing, but they never had a singer before I joined. Right. So I said, hey guys, I would love to introduce some singing into the band because I'm a big, I'm big into clean singing and, and like almost pop influenced vocals. And they graciously said, yeah, absolutely, let's do it. And so I've always, um, yeah, I've always had that real soft spot for anything which is surrounded, which you could fall under the pop umbrella. Um, and then as, as, I, as I was playing more and more hardcore music and everything, I, my love for pop was still there and all these amazing pop artists were coming out. Um, so I just said, I have to do something. I, I've, I've got like the itch and the urge to just record pop music or write pop music, whether I put it out, whether I give it to somebody else, I'll just, uh, I'll, whatever, I'll, I have to do it. So I did. And I just, the process is the feeling, God, that was so different than writing a heavy record. And I love writing heavy music because we have so much fun in the studio and, and you know, um, yeah, just a really good time. But the pop music, every, every little twist and turn and corner we'd take and avenue and discovering new instruments and stuff, you're just like, God, this is so fun. Like, cause it's real feel good music. It feels really good for you. And, um, and to be able to create it yourself and nobody else's, it doesn't exist anywhere else except in this world you have. And it just, it feels incredible. So uh, I was like, I have to do, I have to focus on this. I have to do something with this music. So yeah, Heart of Gold is obviously very, very different to being as an ocean. Um, I remember when I first launched it, um, about five, six years ago, uh, the UK magazine Rock Sound, they, they said, I think the headline was something like, what the hell is this? You know, like not in like a negative way, but like, uh, okay, I guess this is the being as an ocean side project or whatever. And it's, it was just so funny because it was so unexpected. And I, and I, yeah. So it's a very long winded answer. I'm sorry, but I just, yeah, it's just been no, a, very, a very exciting process. And um, yeah, it, I love that it, it's kind of shocking to people when they do find out I play in a hardcore band and I write hardcore music, but I'm so pop driven so. right yeah no and and i love that answer and it, it makes me think of like when and i've seen this on kind of in both directions when people realized that Corey taylor is the front man yep. for slipknot because stone sour is so different yep. than what <laughs> slipknot is and people are like wait how is that the same guy like kind of yeah. kind of a similar situation for you like hold on this this heavy band is that writes all this quote unquote angry music and is like super aggressive, yeah. but the front man's like this super, you know, not bubblegum pop, but you know, has this polished pop sound too. Like how the yeah. fuck does that work? <laughs> exactly. And I love that 
the, what's what's so cool in understanding about this genre and this scene, uh, more so even the rock and hardcore world, um, is the acceptance. You know, it's because everybody who listens to rock music, you get the very, very, very rare occasion where that's it. They, they won't listen to anything else. You know, they're, they're like, I hate pop. I hate this. I hate that. And th- th- those people do exist and that's fine. Um, they know what they like and I respect that. But it would be, you know, I feel like a lot of people would be lying if they said, no, that's all I listen to. It's usually like, I love Slipknot, but then they also like City and Color or they love, uh, you know, they have a soft spot for a, a Dua Lipa song or a Lady Gaga right. song or something. It's like there's something, you know, so it's, I love how accepting people are. I've not had one person from the being as an ocean world say, no, I hate hot gold. Uh, it's not necessarily their favorite and I I, you know they're they're not crazy about pop music but they've always been like it sounds great I love it I love what you're doing and you know good for you and that's it that's all I need you know I've never had anyone who's like this this is so bad this is so shit you need to stop doing pop music it's it's like it's very accepting and I love that I think it's cool yeah no I I totally agree and I think you know within the like the hardcore scene um the metal scene pop punk whatever like this quote unquote alternative side of music mm-hmm. I think the reason that that they are so accepting of like pop music and these different genres is because at least for me I don't I truly don't care if a song is country pop EDM whatever if it makes me feel something Exactly. Like, that's all I care about is that connection. So I don't give a shit what genre you're from or, you know, necessarily what it sounds like. If you can hit me in the feels, I'm going to be into it. Exactly. It's a very good point. Like Corey Taylor, for example, I, I don't I don't know his personal life, but say, for example, he was going through the worst breakup of his life and it was it was really hard on him. And he writes a Slipknot song about going through this. Slipknot fans are going to be like, oh my God, you know, this is, I love this, so relatable or, or something. And then if he was to write the same emotion and the same circumstance, but as a Stone Sour song or even as a Corey Taylor solo song, acoustic or something, people aren't going to be like, no, actually, that's, that's terrible. They're going to be like, well, it's Corey Taylor. I love Corey Taylor. I love what he does. I love that he is expressing how he feels through, through, like creating a song about it and and i think that's where people are gonna go not just be like well he's he's saying the same story which i do relate to but the fact that it's got like an acoustic guitar or it's got this or keyboard it's like nah i I can't that doesn't make sense you know so i think um yeah i think i think especially the rock and metal scene is very understanding and very welcoming of that so yeah yeah and i think you know there for a while um I'm 37. So I've kind of seen what I think was the the peak of it for a while there, there was a a definite gatekeeping sense in a lot of communities, but I think as time progressed and maybe COVID helped break it down even faster, but like as time progressed, a lot of people went, who cares? Exactly. If If you love what you're doing, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm into it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and it's, it's, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The pandemic gave people time more than they've ever had before. Cause there was no agenda. There was no, I have to go to work. I have to continue the nine to five. I have to do, it's like, no, you're stuck at home or, or whatever the circumstances you have nothing but time. And I, I, you know, I, I, as far as I'm aware, everybody used that time to like, whether they realize it or not, they, they grew and they learned something. And it, whether it was, you know, un- understanding, you know, who cares about what music is written? Who cares about what the type of thing that's being created? It's still portraying the same message. We're all in the same boat. And I think, yeah, the pandemic was definitely the almost perfect length of time for people to, to kind of grow up, it, not in a disrespectful way, but grow up from what they were, maybe a mindset that was kind of surrounding them before, especially with music and genres. So, yeah, I think it broke a yeah, lot of, a lot of that gatekeeping. I think it broke that kind of stigma. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, so many jobs 
transition to like a work from home situation. Mm -hmm. So now you're just sitting at home. You have nothing but time to listen to music. And so like, cool. I hit, you know, shuffle on my favorite artist. Eventually, like with Spotify, eventually that ties into just other songs that sound like it or whatever. And you go, oh, well, this is cool. Like, what else can I get in this rabbit hole of? Um, And, you know, like I said, for me, um, man, I don't think I heard it when it first came out, but over yourself is, is the song that I, I know was the first one for heart of gold that I heard. And I just immediately was like, fuck. Yeah. Like what? I don't know what this is yet, but like, I'm into this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's what I wanted to do was just like, I wasn't in the game to like shock people or be like, Oh, look at this, shove it in their face. It was like, my, my, my biggest thing has always been creating an emotion in, in music or through music, like you watch any movie, if you, any movie that is your favorite movie ever, 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 you take away the music, you take away the soundtrack, is it, are you feeling the same way? You don't think about the soundtrack as a, as a thing. You, it's like a subconscious thing there. But I, I, I spoke about this earlier. My, my, one of my favorite movies is The Goonies. And if you took away... It's the best. It's the best movie. But if you took away the soundtrack or you replaced it with something completely different than what they used, yeah, I would still love the movie, but would part, would I be brave enough to say it's the best movie ever? You know, I don't know. Um, but that music was picked and created and chosen specifically to make you feel something. When they discover the ship in the cave at the very end, when they run and they meet their parents after going missing for however long at the very end, you know, um, all the, all the music, everything was created because it's, you know, psychologically, uh, that music was, was created and made those progressions, everything specifically to invoke emotion. And I think that has always been so important to me. So, um, yeah, I, I, like I, I, I always say when people ask is heart of gold, I specifically wanted it to feel like the soundtrack to, a to life for whatever you're right. going through, heartache, love, loss, um, you know, a new, a new girlfriend, a new boyfriend, a new this, a new that, uh, uh, losing your job, getting a new job, having, you know, moving house, losing everything, gaining everything, winning the lottery. I just wanted it to be. A, a, some part of soundtrack to that so yeah, yeah. no and I, I think that's a a perfect way to think about it you know like obviously orchestral soundtracks are different but like hmm. take star wars or lord of the rings or harry potter's yeah. and put in quote-unquote new age music you know put in put in a slipknot song into a yeah. battle scene in in lord of the rings and you're gonna be like i don't i don't feel this this isn't yeah. what i need yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah, it's, it has to be, it's not just a case of a guy clicking through a soundtrack, a, a list of music and going, that'll do. It's like, oh, well, these chord progressions are there to, to do this. You know, they pull on your heartstrings and they make you feel this way. And this is a moment in the movie where, you know, the, the, one of the main characters, the hero dies or, you know, or, you know, somebody gets their heart broken or something. So those songs and those particular parts of pieces of music being so thought out, I think is so incredible, but nobody thinks about it when they're watching the movie. But like you said, replace it, take it out, put something else in, you're going to notice and and you're not going to feel the same way about what's happening. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think too, like, again, I've been doing music journalism for like 18 years, whatever it's been now. But even aside from that, like I've got such a connection to music, you know, that I think there's, obviously probably the vast majority of, of music fans are like this, where I associate songs just like what you're talking about with this being a soundtrack. Like I associate songs with certain moments in my life. And so like, it may be a, literally last night I was listening to Bayside again, yeah, just out of the blue. And I'm like, man, I remember the first time I heard this song and just immediately went back to that place because there was such a a connection to the music. Yes, exactly, exactly. But you know, it's uh, that that's those songs are you know you listen to songs from 10, 15, 20 years ago, and it takes you back 10, 15, 20 years. Imagine listening to something right now that came out right now, but it can also still take you back to those places. Right. But it's you know the music wasn't there back when those things happened, but 
uh, it's almost created that new sense of emotion for, you know, say, I don't know, you experienced your first heartbreak in high school 20 years ago. And you remember listening to Taking Back Sunday at the time. But now it's like, imagine uh, having a song that came out two weeks ago, but as soon as you hear it, as soon as the lyrics, the music, you're instantly taken back to that heartbreak in high school 20 years ago. That's kind of like the, uh, a cool end game, I think, for, for Heart of Gold, especially, is to talk about and sing about those, those types of things and use the music to, to kind of create that too. So. Yeah, no, and I, I think at least so far, uh, I think you're you're pretty much nailing it because they're uh, midnight in Miami is the next one that again <laughs> I that hit me and like when you look at your your Spotify numbers, it did okay, but it's not the the most outstanding song on Spotify for it's you. It's not no no, and I it's funny that was the one when I when I wrote it with the producer, I was like I had the best feeling about that song. And I was in a room with uh, uh, some friends and the, um, um, the producer and everything. And they were just like, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know if this one's the one. I'm like, but this is the one that makes me feel like I'm in an 80s movie. And I'm like, huh? you know, driving uh, on the, you know, down the strip at sunset or whatever. Um, I said, yeah, but I just don't, you know, it, it, it was, it needed some time to kind of, you know, fester, I guess. But, you know, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's it's a heart of gold sound it's that kind of 80s new wave uh pop rock influence um with some cool guitar solo stuff in it um but yeah i think um i think you're absolutely right it's it's still a fun song i love it but right. yeah yeah no and i i think for me i i definitely can see the scene that you're talking about like almost like a a night rider miami vice feel to the to that type of scene yeah. um but like you know, when I listen to it, it's like, it also tells the story, you know, you've got the line in there that it's midnight in Miami. It may be afternoon somewhere else. Um, send a picture of yourself. And I'm like, man, I, I know there've been times where I've been away from girlfriends or whatever. And I'm like, I just need to see you. Like we're not in the same place right now, but I just need to see you. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to see you. I want to know what you're doing hang out and just, you know, uh, what are you up to? It's, it's midnight here. It could be, a different time a different place somewhere else whatever but yeah I, I you know i still i miss you i love you i want to know what you're doing so that's uh yeah it's kind of what that whole thing was about so but the song weirdly uh the name um came from uh what is it it was a cupcake in whole foods whole things <laughs> um and i remember seeing this cupcake it was called the the i think it was like the miami midnight or the you know it wasn't midnight in miami but it right. was words and I remember thinking, okay, I, I closed my eyes. I was like, God, imagine midnight in Miami. Miami, you think of the neon lights. You think of, uh, you know, you've got the water on one side. You've got the skyline of the building of downtown on the other. The lights, the neon, the blue, the pink, the orange. Um, and this cupcake, it was like a dark chocolate cupcake with pink and blue sprinkles on it. And just something as simple as that was like, that's a really cool thing, you know. And I, I picture myself there. But... Who am I there with? I'm there by myself. Uh, where is everybody else? What are they doing? Okay, it's midnight here, but it's this time somewhere else. I miss this person. I want, you know. So it was, it stemmed from something so simple like that. So. Yeah. And, you know, being a music fan as long as I have been, that's such a hardcore kid thing. Like this, this name came from a cupcake or it has like no <laughs> yeah. real relevance to the song at the time at the until time. the song develops. Yeah, it started as a title, and that's usually how it sometimes it happens is you have a title for a song or a title or just something that you think sounds cool or might create something can stem from that one thing. And just the Midnight in Miami was like, okay, so if it's Midnight in Miami and, and so on and so on. So it was a really interesting process from, from literally looking at a cupcake in Whole Foods. Uh, so... Yeah, Which is, I, haven't, I haven't seen it since. I think it must have just been a seasonal thing, like a couple of years ago. But yeah, yeah. Well, and, and now that you've made the song, like you'll never see it again, just because of that. You know, like because you're yeah. looking for it, it just won't be there. No, no, no. I, every time I'm in Whole Foods and I walk past the sweet treat counter, I'm always like, I wonder if it's coming back for like the summertime or something. But I haven't seen it since. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so. 
you just recently dropped uh, Bright Lights. Um, yes. So talk about, you know, because it was kind of a transitional song, right? Like it sounds like Heart of Gold, but it also gives you a little bit of a sense of a, a slightly different direction with the sonically, you know, side of this. What was this one like for you, you know, when you were putting this together? Uh, this one actually was a co-write with uh, my friend James. Uh, he's in a band called Death Havana. And he, he actually introduced this song into the studio. And I think he must have just, you know, he, he was aware of the hot gold sound. And we were, we were kind of throwing some ideas back and forth and seeing what would stick. And uh, so, yeah, this one in particular was, I, I absolutely could not take the full credit for it at all because, um, yeah, it, it's, it came from, uh, it came from mostly from James. Um, so I, yeah, I, it's a diff- it's a tough one to talk about because of that. Um, right. Uh, but yeah, lyrically, it, it's 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 very very relatable, and I, that's that's what one thing we aim to do is create relatability with with lyrics and um, write about personal experience and write about every, you know everything surrounding that, and and people can listen to it and be like, you know, oh yeah, I know exactly what that means. That takes me back here and, and so on. So, um, but yeah, musically, it was. Uh, it's definitely what I like to call the, a, a true heart of gold sound. Um, yeah, I was asked not long ago if I was to introduce Heart of Gold to my friend uh, for the first time, what song should I play? Uh, and it's a tough question because you want to say, you know, oh, well, the, the, the one with the most numbers online or something. But right. I think Bright Lights and uh, my other song, Headache, are the two ones in particular where I'm like, this is, you know, Lyrically and musically is what I would call a true hot gold sound. It's it takes every influence that I've ever thrown at the wall, and this is what stuck. Um, like the '80s movie soundtrack and uh, the the you know real personal heartfelt content lyrically. So yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a tough one to talk about just because of James. Uh, it's I would like to say it's his song. So yeah, no, and that that totally makes sense to me as to why, for me sonically, it sounded like I said it's clearly a heart of gold song. Like yeah, that's apparent. But there was definitely an element that I'm like, but it's but it's different. There's something else triggering yeah. it. Yeah, and that totally explains it to me that well, you know, because being a co-write and having a little bit of outside influence into it. Oh yeah. There's, and, and, and a lot of art, artists I've spoken to have said, oh, I, I don't know if I could ever do a co-write because they like to have, you know, full control of everything. It's like, but I feel like the best work you could ever do sometimes comes from having somebody else in the room with you um, yeah. to, you know, to direct you, to tell you, you know, okay, maybe do this on the guitar or maybe try this chord progression, try this, try that. And it might not be something that you're super into to start with, but then you understand why they've thought that way and you kind of start, you know, really connecting with them um, when you write together and how their, how their process is. And it starts, starts to make sense. And then next thing you know, it's, it's one of the best things that you could have done with that song. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a process, but it's very fun. For sure. And I, I think, you know, especially if you can do it with A, people that you respect, but also people that you're friends with, or at least close enough with that you can give each other those feedbacks because, you know, the last thing any artist wants to do, any reasonable artist, the last thing that they want to do is be pigeonholed into this. This is my sound. I have a cookie cutter. You know, this is all it'll ever be like bringing in these others. And especially when it's someone you trust and that are friends with, you can like, start to push those boundaries a little bit and go, well, yeah. hold on. What if we did go down that road a little bit and just expand on this sound? Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a cool, very, very cool process. And I urge anyone struggling with like a song right now or, or like creating a piece of art, just step away from it for like a day and have somebody who has done something similar. In, the, in my case, it was another musician who writes their own music um, come in and be like, oh, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of this band. Listen to something by them and, 
you know, and I would, it's things like that where I would never, ever think, you know, there's a, there's a part in, uh, there's a song coming out in a couple of days and there's a part of the chorus where it's like this almost like anthemic, you know, kind of big group vocal thing. And that's not something I'd usually do. Uh, and then uh, Phil, the producer was like, oh, uh, I think we should, you know, that kind of reminds me of this band, All Time Low. And hey, the, like, I say this band, everyone knows All Time Low, but right. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of this, this All Time Low song. Um, and I'm like, and then I'm like, okay, well, you know, which one? And I'll go in, I'll listen to it. And the next thing you know, I'm listening to all the All Time Low song albums. And I'm like, God, this is so cool. This is incredible. Why have I never drawn to this before? Like fully, I know All Time Low songs and I love that band but some of the, the kind of hidden gems on an album. And I'm like, that is some of the best thing, things I've ever heard in my life. And then it inspires me to be like, okay, I'm going to add this group chant thing at the chorus and, um, you know, just fun things like that. And um, yeah, I def definitely a new set of eyes and a new brain in the room to like influence you to, to write or try something way out of your comfort zone. I think is is key. It's very important, I think. So yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. And I think, you know, um, speaking on the new song, I got the chance to listen to it on my drive home today. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> so um, but it it's uh leave just yet. And yeah. I, I totally agree. Like it wasn't something I was expecting when you hear this this chant kind of thing go on. It's like, oh, well, that was cool. Like yeah <laughs> where'd that come from though like what was that let's you know take it back a second here yeah absolutely and it's, again it was not something i would ever do but um it worked so well in these songs that i was being introduced to for the first time i was like you know what like why not you know why not throw it into one of mine so yeah yeah um, yeah very cool uh yeah and it's coming up off of the new debut album uh first time you're putting together a, a full collection here um yeah. and that's going to be called beautiful dangerous let's talk a little bit about um obviously we don't want to give away any details that you're not allowed to yet i don't want jessica in here and yell at us for anything <laughs> but you know kind of what does this collection mean to you and kind of what's your your feeling on this timing for okay it's time to put together a full record and get it out there yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, what's very cool is it was, uh, I say it's cool, but it was written and produced in the first, um, I'd say six months of the pandemic. Um, so everything started, well, a lot of lyrically, a lot of it was written over the last few years. I've had, right. I have notebooks, I have them right here next to me actually, where I just will in the middle of the night, I'll wake up and write something down if I have this idea or it could be a word, it could be a little stupid drawing. And then I'll come back and look at it and be like, what was I thinking when I wrote, you know, did that? And uh, it just, it just came to a head where I was, I had these ideas for songs for so long and then everything, you know, the whole world just shut down. Like the, the every door closed, you know, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. I rely heavily on going outside and, you know, going to the movies, going out for dinner, you know, even just walking around the shopping center. I, I, I love that stuff. And to have that kind of taken away from me and, you know, bookstores in particular, coffee shops, I just couldn't do that anymore. I was like, everything I've ever written over the last like couple of years, I feel like I have to, you know, rework a lot of it now because I've got a lot more to say. Now I have this time, I think. Um, so I spent a good deal of time just going over every note every scribble, every line, every word that I'd ever written in my journal. And I was like, okay, this is, uh, this is how I feel right now. And this is, you know, how I think it's going to be for the next however long and what this is going to do to me mentally as a, as a, as a creative who relies heavily on, you know, going places and doing things for influence. So, excuse me. Yeah. I, uh, I, I started writing. It was just me with an acoustic guitar. It was voice notes on my phone. It was, I have a little keyboard right here and I'll just like play a note and sing a, sing a line. And um, it started to make me really appreciative of the things that were around before the pandemic or the th not the things that are, uh, were around because everything is still there, so to speak, right. but you just couldn't enjoy it. You know, I, I, I loved going uh, to the bookstore, get a coffee, 
walk around in the rain where there was a point in England where I, so I had to go back to England as well, which was, uh, which was tough. Um, cause I, I was relying heavily on over being over here to work and, and everything. So it just put everything into perspective for me and the title beautiful, dangerous in particular, um, is a play on, on how life is in every sense of both words, beautiful and dangerous. Um, and everyone on earth, you would be lying to you if they said they hadn't experienced something that was so beautiful. Um, and then also something that was dangerous. And by dangerous, I don't mean, you know, uh, stepping out into traffic or skydiving. I mean, you know, falling in love for the first time or, you know, doing something which is, it's risky, it's dangerous, but it's so exciting and you're so drawn to it. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it can also be beautiful. And, um, yeah, it just, it just really made me think about life in a different way is being shut down from, from everything, being on the inside, looking out as opposed to the other way around. Um, and it gave everybody nothing but time. Everybody had nothing but time to just do something like write or do nothing, you know, write music, read, write a book, watch their favorite show back to back, do it all in a day, catch up on work, catch up on, you know, lost time with family. And it just, it made me appreciate things so much more. Um, And that's how the songs came about. A lot of the content is about life being one way or the other or both at the same time. Um, But yeah, that's uh, pretty much, pretty much it. Essentially. Yeah. yeah, no. And, th- and that totally makes sense, you know, and it, it also on the, like the beautiful dangerous to me, like I think about when I'm in the Midwest, so tornadoes happen. Uh, that's a thing, you know, but like, honestly, if you, if you step outside after a, a major storm, especially during the day or whatever, like the colors you get in the sky and all that sort of stuff, it's like, this was just so dangerous to be out in. Yeah. But holy shit, is it beautiful now? Exactly. Exactly. You know, and it, people, people uh, can take it any which way, which I love. That's, that's what it is. It's almost like a conversation style. Um, you know, what is so dangerous is also the most beautiful thing in the world. Um, you know, it, it's anything. It's, Jeez, it's it, like I said, it's falling in love for the first time. It's having your heart broken for the first time. It's, you know, you know, you know, trying your first cigarette when you're like 15 years old or, or, you know, getting, you know, getting in trouble with the police for the first time. It's it. Yeah, it's every it's failing school. It's doing well in school. It's everything, man. It's getting it's, engaged. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's it's fun. It's. Although I dare I say that that's not dangerous. I mean, to some people it might be. It's a very beautiful thing. I, I, yeah. I'm, I, I get married in, in uh, a month, actually. A month tomorrow we get married. And I'm awesome. so, so stoked. Very excited. Yeah. Um, definitely not dangerous. But yeah. No, um, no, not, again, not in the sense of stepping in the track or anything like that. And I don't necessarily even mean like that like fear of rejection entirely, you know, cause obviously yeah. if you've made it to that point, you're pretty sure that that's what's going to happen. But like the, the danger in like, this is a new chapter in my life. Like, yeah, my, my whole story up until this moment has been me and now I, it's us. Now and it's now us. we're yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And I think the, yeah, you're absolutely right. The way, like I said, dangerous is not an actual dangerous activity. It's, it's uh, it's stepping out into the unknown, you know. Um, it's 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 getting married. It's buying your first place together. It's uh, you know, putting a payment down on on your first house. It's all this crazy stuff, and it's it's yeah, it's exciting. It's thrilling. It's a little nervous. Makes you a little you know, you know, gives you a little butterflies in the stomach. But it's so exciting. It's so beautiful at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. And I've always looked at life that way, uh, as, you know, treat it as one or the other two or both, you know, there's no harm in that. Do, do things that scare you, do things that you love, do things that you hate. So you can say you've done them and you realize whether it's good or not, you know, go to a restaurant, which has like, that's one thing we do sometimes on tour. It's like, we'll go to the worst rated 
rated restaurant. Worst rated, that's a hard thing to say. Yeah, it is. Worst rated restaurant. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's just part of the fun. You're, you're in a completely different part of the world. You'll never do it again, you know. You'll never go to that place again, maybe. So just go do something so bizarre and crazy and just have fun. So, yeah. No, and and while you were talking about it, the the like TV show that came to mind for Beautiful Dangerous is like old Crocodile Hunter with Steve Irwin. Like oh, yeah. he always talked about how beautiful these animals are, and they are, but like they're also so dangerous. And it was like he didn't care. Like it was all about the beauty and the education and that's absolutely new right. new thing of life. Yeah, that's it. That's absolutely right. It's it's. It's one of them. It, it all depends on the person's perspective on how they do things and experience things. It's beautiful. It's dangerous. It's both. It's one or the other. It could be one way and never be the other way, or it could be, you know, a correlation. So yeah, and and like you said, it, it's so different for for different people, right? Like what you see as dangerous, maybe I don't, or yeah. you know what what is. I mean, obviously, from a romantic standpoint or a, a physical standpoint what some people see as beautiful isn't the same thing to everybody else. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But I, again, I think that's what kind of makes life uh, so beautiful. You know what I mean? Like yes. the fact that yeah. there is all this variety and we can all enjoy different things and still be happy. Like that, isn't that amazing in itself? Absolutely. That's all that matters. You know, at the end of the day, it's it is all that matters and i think that's that's just one way i personally have always just tried to look at things and um yeah i i encourage anybody listening to do a similar thing at least so yeah um so i want to touch on you kind of already did earlier but let's say we're going to pick three songs since you already gave away two of them uh <laughs> for anyone that's going to take get into heart of gold or at least give you a shot as heart of gold what are the three songs that you're like these are my showcase this is what you have to see and you'll know whether or not you're going to like me from here okay okay i think like uh, previously said bright lights is what i would like to call almost that true heart of gold sound it's got the the right taste of influence there from the uh everything i grew up listening to um headache is to me one of the funnest songs i've ever written i've never written anything with a swing beat before and it's such a dance it's like swing music is dancing music you know you you're supposed to throw yourself around and have a great time and that's what i've always just been so encouraged by with with me with writing music so headache is uh the second one and then i think an obvious choice would be over yourself um because it seems to be the one when people discover heart gold for the first time it's usually the one it's at the top of spotify or, or apple music or or wherever and um it was the one i've had i had a lot of fun writing as well um, it's funny, I, I was listening to the voice note I had of um, the very, very first time I, I wrote Over Yourself, it was about 2019, and it's just a voice note of me playing the guitar, and I'm just going, ba-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da, and then that became realize, 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 and then it stemmed from that, and I, I always listen to that sometimes and think, anything can come from the smallest idea, and I love that, yeah. so... Yeah, I think those three, Over Yourself, Bright Lights, and Headache. Um, it's hard to pick, though, you know, it's because right. I'm proud of everything I've done. I just, if I had, you know, just one opportunity to impress, or three opportunities to impress right. anybody, it, it would be those three tracks for sure. Yeah, and the, and the reason I do three is it's 10 minutes, right? Like, exactly. you can give 10 minutes to to check out a band. Here's three songs you need to look at. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's, it, it's down to everything. It's put, putting a, a live show together. It's like you go, you go to a bar or you go to a venue and you don't know who's playing, but you, you know, you stick around to check out, you have to make a first impression. So you want to hit them with, you know, the big song that, you know, a lot of artists put that big, big songs at the end. Um, but if it's like for me in particular, cause I've never played over here before I'm playing a show soon and, 
I'm like, I've got to, I've got to put the big song at the front because I want these, I want these people's, I want the, everyone's attention from the get go. Right. So um, yeah, there's like, like a weird psychological thing with it, I think. So yeah, and I, I think that's something that casual fans, as I put it, um, casual fans don't understand. I don't know that. I wouldn't say they don't respect it, but like, yeah. I don't think they fully understand what goes into setting up a set list because it's like, especially depending on, are you the opener? Are you the headliner? Like that exactly. varies so much as well. So like if I'm opening, I want to put my catchiest stuff or something that I know is going to hit you yeah. in those first two songs, because I need to get you right now. That's if I'm the headliner, it's like, well, I, you already know I'm going to play them so I can play all this other stuff. Exactly. And we can end on that. Yeah, exactly. And I've been in both situations where with with being as an ocean, we know what our, our biggest three or four songs are. So we'll kind of put one towards the beginning, but then we'll save the rest to the very end because we know, you know, we if we can capture them with the rest of the set, then they're going to really enjoy the end of it. But with Heart of Gold, it's like, I actually read this weird thing. There's a psychology to it. It's the biggest song in a band's set list is actually the second song, not the first or the last. It's the second because the first one, you've already determined what you're going to play to get their attention. But right. the second song is where you need to actually keep their attention. So yeah. the second song is like probably more important because it's like, you know, you finish the big song at the beginning and everyone's like, oh my God, this is great. And then you come in with another big song or, you know, they're going to be like, oh, well, now I've got to stay till the very end. Whereas, yeah. you know, if it's not a good second song, they're going to be like, all right, well, that first song was great, but, you know, I got somewhere to be. So, right. so right. you I'm want to go to grab like, merch. I'm, I'm going to the yeah. bathroom, whatever. Exactly. Whatever. Exactly. So it's it's a funny psych, psychology, uh, psychological way of thinking about it. But yeah, the second song is almost key, I think, more, if not as important as the first and the last song. So. Yeah. Um, so I haven't gotten to listen to the new album yet, but uh, I'll hit Jessica up about that later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, for me, it was something I, I push really heavily, especially on this podcast or when I send music to a friend and I'm like, hey, you need to check out this band or whatever. Debut albums, I think, are even more paramount in this. How important to you is it? that people listen to the the album at least to me it's the first two times but front to back like to me there's a reason that the songs are set up the way that they're set up like whether it's a concept album or not there's a flow to it so there's a story that's going to be there so to me the first two times you listen to it it's front to back the first time is kind of what you were just saying like okay i'm i'm kind of gathering where i think the the high points are yeah and then the second time you can dig in and be like what's he talking about? Like, what, yeah. what, what is yeah. this? You know, how yeah. important do you feel like that is, especially with your debut coming out? Oh, uh, I, I, I mean, the goal for any artist is to have the new fans and I'm old fans, but listen to something you put out front to back and always just keep, you know, keep it on repeat, keep looping it. Um, I wish I, I, you know, the album as itself, the whole record, I don't want to say that it's like, you know, a lot of artists do uh, conceptual albums where it's a journey, you know, it's right. like, here's the start point. Track two is a tale from track one and it's a continued story and it's a beginning, a middle and end. It's not as deep as that in a way, but each song is its own story, I think. And I think if you listen through it one time and just like, don't don't you don't have to fully pay attention to it because the first time anyone listens to anything they're not going to focus on the lyrics straight away they're more going to focus on whether it's a good song or not and that's that's everything that's the you know lyrics are probably could be one of the last things it could be this is catchy this is great that's a cool guitar part that drum beat's great this that whatever um so by all means just give it a run through once it's it's 45 minutes or so it's, you know, it's nothing. It's, you know, make a pot of coffee, have a cup, you know, and just put it on and enjoy it. And then if you want to do it straight away, great. If not, give it a couple hours, give it a day, come back and just really pay attention to like what's being said and um, why it 
like certain songs sound the way they do because every single song has been thought out every single song was like you know months in the making you know different sounds different tones all for a reason like we were talking about soundtracks you know it's there for a reason and i think i think people are going to have favorite songs and i I, will i hope they have favorite songs on there but the people who i played it to i I played it to like a, a select small few like a group of people almost all of them came back with a very different song that they said was their favorite some people came back with the one which is my i don't want to say least favorite but not the right. one i would put in my top three or five um but to them they were like this is probably the best thing you've ever written and i'm like wow that's like i i like it i love that song but it's definitely not where i thought it was going to be on on the on the on the pole of songs so um yeah just give it two or three full spins but just give yourself a little bit more to it right the second and third time first time just put it on in the background if you want and if you like it your ears will perk up and you'll be like okay i'm gonna come back to track six or track seven or whatever and um so yeah i think give it give it two three times (laughs) yeah and and that's the beauty of like my day job is an office job so i've got like my airpods in and all that all day and i'm the same way like it's it's just background noise most of the time but yeah like you said it i'll be listening to release radar or whatever and all of a sudden i'm like well hold on who is that song and i have to go over and like actually look because it caught my attention and i think that's a very powerful way to listen to an album the first way absolutely absolutely i i did exactly the same thing i put release radar or you know new hits new pop hits or i'll find an artist that i do like and i am you know like devoted to listening to and i'll put spotify does a thing called artist radio Mm -hmm. make a radio station for you based on what you're in they think your interest would be usually it's like pretty on the mark sometimes it doesn't really land yeah. But um, it happened to me a couple of days ago. I was like, just, I think I was driving back from LA and this song came on and I was like, this, wait, hang on a minute. This is like really good. Why have I never heard this before? To the point where I'm like, you know, I put the song on pause and I'm looking at it and I'm like, all right, I'm going to wait till I get to a red light. And then I'm going to like, you know, take a picture of it quickly or put, you know, heart it so I can go right. home and I can sit at my studio desk and I can just turn it all the way up and be like, God, this is, yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's funny. It, it starts, music does start off as background noise, essentially. That's how yeah. songs get discovered. You know, bands, you go to, you go to watch your favorite band play at a club, the support band, you could leave with the support band being your favorite band ever. Um, because you went there and it's almost going to be, it's background noise while you wait for your favorite art, artist to come on. And I think it's, yeah, that's the beautiful thing about music is, it, it can just do that to you. So yeah, yeah for sure. And, I, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up about like going to a show as well. Cause I am such a stickler about, and maybe it's because I'm a music journalist and a concert photographer and all that, but like, I've got friends that are like, Oh, you know, we're going to go see this show doors open at, at six. We're going to get there about seven 30. That'll be good for, you know, headline headliner <laughs> or whoever. And I'm like, man, fuck you. Like yeah. these opening bands yeah. are busting their ass to get out there and Definitely. be noticed, like give them some respect. Yeah, that, you're absolutely right. We, um, so a, a funny story with the being as an ocean tour we just did in January, uh, a couple days into the tour, the second band unfortunately had to drop off uh, due to an injury. So a lot of the venues that were coming up were like, Oh, well, we'll just push the door time. And we were like, actually, no, if you leave the doors at 6 p.m., but then instead of having the first band come on at 6.30, leave it that extra 30, 45 minutes because then more people will come in and see the right. first band, which is what we want because, that, like you said, the first band, they're like, you know, they were picked to go on that tour for a reason, usually by the headline band because they're an am- amazing band. They have an incredible live show, incredible crowd presence. So the, what you want for them is for there to be a crowd to play in front of. So, yeah, I think, like you said, man, yeah, just always encourage people, if you're going to go to a show, please go to the whole thing, you know, because you could come away thinking, wow, okay, I, you know, I don't even need to see the headliner right now. That I was just blown away by that, 
I mean, that yeah. probably will never happen, but it's I don't know, nice man. Like, especially like in pop punk hardcore shows, you know, the smaller clubs, whatever. You think about it, the cost of a ticket, maybe 30 bucks, give or take, depending on your area. Yeah. It's easy to get $30 worth of your money back out of those first two bands. Exactly. And I know I've been to several as a journalist and even just as a fan where I'm like, okay, you know, I, I've never heard of the opener, but obviously I get there early. And then I'm like, oh shit, like that was cool. Like I'm going to, yeah. you know, put them on my Spotify or whatever so that I can check out more. Yeah. And I found some awesome bands through that. That's how it works. You know, that's like I said, they get picked for a reason. They get, you know, they have a team of people really working hard for them to get those tours because everyone in the team thinks they'll be the best fit for it. And they think it'll be a great uh, response from the headliners crowd. Right. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's the best way to do it. Just yeah. always show up. So. Yeah. So on kind of that topic, as we you know start to wrap up here, uh, for Heart of Gold, who are some bands that are like dream tour set up for you, whether you're opening or headlining? Oh, man. I think a big obvious one would be somebody like the 1975. Because yeah. um, I think they did a very, very smart thing about seven, eight years ago is they kind of pushed that boundary of, you know, we can release music that sounds like it's from a completely different era, a completely different decade. And it starts to peak interest and it starts to, you know, you will see a million artists come out the woodwork who have already been doing that sound for so long, but they've almost been afraid to put that music out or it hasn't gained the right attention. So for a band like the 1975 who just blew up, I think um, really did wonders for people who make that kind of, you call it bedroom pop because a lot of it is, is bedroom pop or, you know, that, that kind of, you, you make it in your bedroom and you have that freedom to just push boundaries with it. So a dream tour obviously would be um, the 1975, but there's a million artists that I've discovered because of that, who I think would be just such a dream to tour with. Um, Japanese house is a, a great one. Uh, band called wet. I think you heard of them. Wet. Yep. Amazing. Yep. Band. Uh, the most beautiful voice I've ever heard. She's incredible. Uh, churches. Um, goodness. I was supposed to do this tour, but God, now the uh, pandemic shut it down uh, with uh, Grayscale. The yeah. band from Philly, amazing band, incredible new new record as well. And it would have been such a great tour, but yeah, unfortunately the pandemic just decided to to cancel it. So um yeah, there's a there's a million, a million great artists. Um yeah, it would be a hard choice. I could I could give a list as long as my aunt right. <laughs> of, of anyone, you know. And it's it's what's funny is I love the like we were saying about how welcoming and how you know, adaptable the genre is, you could go on tour with kind of anybody these days. And, you know, movements yeah. are with Knock Loose right now. Right. It's almost like an indie pop new wave band going out with a hardcore band. I'd like, it's bizarre to a lot of people, but you will see the Knock Loose crowd singing every word to a movement song. And I love that. So I think I could go out with, anybody and have a great time and just you know do my best to win these people over or they could just you know hate it and that's <laughs> and that's fine too you know i mean obviously we all have our different tastes but i i think you're right you know and i think again if there was anything positive from the pandemic it is this acceptance and i think the genre fusion tours if you will where it's a hardcore band a indie pop whatever yeah. all these like when you look at it on the the card, you're like, hmm, these don't go together. Like this yeah. isn't right. But then you go to the show and you're like, no, that was cool. Like that fit, that hit everything I needed. That was it. And a perfect example that I always love to give to people is being as an ocean, which is like melodic emo hardcore. We did possibly my favorite ever tour we've done ever uh, with Die Art is Murder. And it yeah. was just, you know, and it was in Europe and um, it was Miss May I and uh, Casey, an amazing UK band, not around anymore, but Casey, it was Casey, Miss May I, us, Daya, and we rotated every night. And 
you could see who were the obvious Die Art is Murder fans, but they knew some of our songs, which was great. And then there was the Being as an Ocean fans who were so into how just visually and, and amazing and how great it sounded Die Art is Murder were. So I always use that as an example of you can put anything together and it will, it can work. It, nothing right. is impossible with, with, with that. So yeah, I love genre bending tours. I think Warp Tour, a great example, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and Paris. that's right before you jumped on. That's what Jessica and I were talking about is like oh, wow. how much we miss Warp Tour. Yeah. And then they, they did the, um, when we were young tour or festival that just popped up, like that is as close to Warp Tour as we've gotten. But yeah. if you look at the lineup, you're like, man, so many of these bands don't really belong. No. But they're welcome. And that's what's fucking cool. That's like so I remember, cool. yeah, I remember Warp Tour way back in the day. Like I saw Katy Perry on Warp Tour. Like, yes. what the fuck is this? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And we we did it in 2015 and it was Paris and Attila going, you right. know, yeah. one after the other every night. And it's like so fun. But the crowd never moved. You know, you right. had the, the Paris crowd sticking around for Attila because, you know, they want to discover something new. And that was the brilliant thing about these touring festivals is that there is always something for everybody and somebody will come, everybody will come home discovering somebody new, uh, a new artist or a new genre that they would never in a million years ever decide to listen to, but they were drawn to it at a festival. And that's the beauty of this industry, the scene. You know, yeah. it, it gets bashed a lot, but it, it is very, very inclusive and it's very um, beautiful in that way. Yeah, so. I, I really think it's it's typically obviously the outsiders that bash this side of the, the industry and scene because from their vantage point, they look at it and they're like, oh, they wear all black. They, you know, they dye their hair. They yeah. uh, and it's like, yeah, but just because you wouldn't talk to that dude doesn't mean that he hasn't been through just as much shit as you have. Exactly. Like we're all fucking human beings. Exactly. That's the only, that's the one genre people need to focus on is being a fucking decent human being and they yeah. can enjoy that. Everyone can enjoy that. Then, then everyone will be fine. You know, yeah. that's who, what everybody is at the end of the day. So why not? You know, absolutely. I've enjoyed conversation so much. Um, I'm obviously going to link all your socials and everything, but Amazing. where can people find you? What can they expect from you online and any kind of parting words as, as we get ready for your new single to drop and, and kind of the album? Oh, yeah. Uh, so everything is uh, so Instagram, uh, TikTok, which I'm slowly trying to figure out, is uh, this is Heart of Gold. So at this is Heart of Gold. Uh, that's where usually everything gets gets bumped straight away is Instagram, I think, is just like the biggest thing on earth right now so yeah everything you want to know or that will be announced over time tour dates new songs videos everything the new record everything to do with the record will go straight to social media there so and anything else like, like facebook and twitter that's all linked on on instagram too so instagram will probably will be the main hub and that's just at this is heart of gold so man I super appreciate your time. Um, I'm going to try to get this up. Let me look at the calendar here. I am going to bump you into kind of a, a special bonus episode. So I'm going to have this go live um, on this Friday. So Amazing. the day after the, the single technically comes out. Perfect. But, you know, I, I just I'm so excited about this conversation and what your project is because Again, I, I just don't think enough people, this genre is very accepting of it, but I don't think enough people are looking at artists like yourself that are coming out of these, not that you're leaving being as an ocean at all, but like you're coming out of that to some extent and going, look at what else I can offer. And yeah. there's so much depth to it. Yeah, ex exactly. And, you know, you'll start to, you'll start to see people who, like I said, only listen to, on the surface, only listen to hardcore or heavy music you'll start to see like, oh, wow, actually, you know, these people do also enjoy pop music and, and you know, different different genres. So it's, uh, yeah, I just, I just love being able to do it. I'm having the best time. I'm having such a fun time 
this has been my baby for so long. And, and right. the fact that it is gaining some kind of momentum to me is the icing on the cake. It's the bonus that I could have never dreamed of because I've just always been just try- anything I can do to have a fun time writing music. I've always wanted to do. So that's just how, how I need to, I need to do it. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very stoked for what the future holds for sure. So and again, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll definitely be in touch and hope to see you out on tour soon so that we can uh, maybe do one of these in, in person, not in a bathtub, because that's fucking weird. But. <laughs> I, would love to. I would love to. Yeah, whatever, whatever you need, man. I'm always down. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. All right. See you, man. See you. Take it easy. Bye bye. And that was my conversation with Michael of Heart of Gold. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. I definitely did. Huge shout out to Michael for taking the time to have this conversation with me and talk about this new project because, you know, it's super cool to see him stepping out of what people know him as, you know. Um, They know him as this awesome guitarist in this heavy band and and you know singing these lyrics for this heavy band as well and then for him to be able to kind of get back to his roots as we talked about and put out this super fun and catchy and just kind of positive pop music uh is super cool to see and you know i'm really digging the sound um, really excited for him. Like I said, the new single "Leave Just Yet" is streaming everywhere as of this episode going live. Um, the new album, the debut album, is coming out very soon. That is called "Beautiful Dangerous." Um, and yeah, guys, go follow him. Check his stuff out. Uh, let him know where you came from if you are a new fan or you know are checking him out because of this podcast. Let him know. Um, and yeah, we're, we're stoked for it. And I definitely want to hear from you guys in the comment section on Instagram of this episode. Let me know what you think of the new single. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm stoked to hear it. That's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. Uh, again, I have kind of cut back on doing bonus episodes, but I was so excited about this one and had such a great time talking with Michael that I just really wanted to get it out in front of you guys um, as quickly as possible. So thank you for everything that you do. We do have some super cool shit happening soon. I will throw that out there as well. Um, number one is season two of Musicians for Mental Health is going live in just a few days now. Um, a little over... Uh, a little over a week, um, give or take. It is going live on May the 2nd. So be sure that you're following that podcast. Um, We've got some super dope new merch that I have partnered up with somebody to do some cool designs for. We're going through the process of getting the revisions and everything now so that we can have this just super fun idea that I think you guys are going to enjoy. So... As always, I appreciate everything, guys. Remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.